November, uh, about a quarter billion, somewhere between a quarter billion and 300 million dollars worth of infrastructure projects to be funded if you say yes to the sales tax referendum. Here to talk about that other issues, the mayor of Athens, Kelly Gertz. Thanks for coming in this morning. So glad to be here, Tim. Thanks for having me. So y'all got it done last night? We got her done, buddy. Um, Yes, after many, many, many months of work and uh, a, a couple dozen Formal citizen um, volunteers uh, spent um, dozens and dozens of hours doing the yeoman's work, and then the mayor and county commission and staff kind of did a little bit of editing. Uh, we came forward with a package that really, I think, in my time in Athens, my 25 years here, is the strongest SPLOS package we'll have yet that really allows for some health and safety benefits, that allows for some enhancements of some of the great places like Bishop Park and the Bear Hollow Center that people have come to love. And as happens in public sector places, love a little too much and, mm-hmm. and, and need a little bit of repair. Now, that part of it is kind of late ad, right? That was That's, that's what bumps us from a quarter... Mil, a quarter billion to 300 million. Yeah, so we ended at about 313 million dollars. And uh, so some of those items were added. Uh, of course, an expansion to the Classic Center, uh, diving into affordable housing with a 45 million dollar package. And honestly, Tim, for the first time in a century, a, a hundred years, thinking comprehensively about how do we array our spaces to offer the best service possible to the public. So it was 1913 when City Hall was built and just a couple of years later when the courthouse was built. And since that time, we've been sort of hobbling by. And as we've needed new facilities, we have taken on some, it's a technical term now, some janky properties <laughs> uh, where we've attempted to, to do what we could for the moment. Uh, we, we were just sitting here in your office before we went on air, sort of joking around uh, s- some of the items that you have clamped to your desk yeah, to, to yeah. manage things. And we've kind of had the same approach in local government. Okay, the library gets a new facility because the state provides some funding. So we, we'll backfill the old library with some of our departments. But these are not spaces that were purpose-built for good customer service access or good and efficient employee use. And so now we're going to be able to have a comprehensive way of saying, how do we offer the best services possible to the public with the buildings that we construct and renovate. Now, so we're talking here essentially about the judicial center. That's what we're going to shorthand it and say this is the new, quote unquote, new judicial center. P- people have focused on the judicial uh, center aspect of this, but but I would also emphasize that we're going to be able to consolidate over half a dozen different facilities uh, under a single roof in the old courthouse, or people, what people think of now as the old courthouse on Washington Street. Is it going to be as simple a matter as separating judicial functions from other government functions? Already that's largely done. Um, Over a period of even my 13 years in public office here, there's been a winnowing of the non-judicial things that happen in the courthouse. So computer information systems, Mm -hmm. for example, 15 years ago was in the courthouse. That's now in a separate facility out on Prince Avenue. Um, But as you know, in any organization, you want the pieces to mesh well. Um, And for public need, you want one-stop shopping. So you don't want an individual who's going to open a business to have to go one place for their building permit, one place for their business license, and one place to get economic development office support. You want that to be able to happen under one roof. Kelly Gertz, Mayor Kelly Gertz here. Is all of this logistically and functionally, is it at this moment just a gleam in somebody's eye, or is there a plan on a map somewhere that I can look at? So there's a a plan for 
the uh, the consolidation under the courthouse roof. Some of the moving pieces, some of the nuts and bolts of that will be ironed out over the months ahead and, and specifically after passage of SPLOST in November by the voters. Um, but, but functionally speaking, you're just going to get a much better user experience than you have in the past. Well, we're going to get a new building someplace, I guess, is what I'm asking. And, and we are. Th- that's right. And, and that where is to be determined to be for those judicial functions. There's a strong sentiment, um, I, I think, from the community at large and certainly from the legal community that they would like to see those things happen in or very near to downtown. And so I think in terms of site selection, that's where we'll begin as we select sites for any new public project, we always set a list of criteria. And so some of that will be locational, you know, a site where you can get easy transit access from anywhere in town, where it is centrally located, um, where the folks who need to be in that courthouse, like the the legal community, can get there on foot as they can currently. Let's talk about the Classic Center for a moment, Mayor Kelly. Absolutely. Classic Center expansion. What now? What next for the Classic Center? So I'm really excited in that the Classic Center project has been modified dramatically from its initial approach. So initially, the Classic Center asked for over $60 million of public sector funding to uh, go ahead and build an arena that will allow them to have much larger conventions and sports activities, arena football, to have sort of a preset ice floor so that when they stage and then unstage ice activities, they can do that quickly rather than the more time-consuming system they've got now in their grand hall. Uh, What I asked the Classic Center Authority and their administration to do is think a lot more creatively. How can you leverage some private sector investment to make this not only a better package by bringing more to the table downtown, but to also lower the public sector investment that's going to be required? Um, They took that charge seriously. Uh, They engaged with uh, a hotelier, they engaged with a senior housing developer, and they've engaged with a couple of corporate interests to not only bring down that ticket to $34 million of public dollars, but also to bring additional jobs, high-end jobs to downtown that wouldn't have been there without this conversation taking place. Dr. Mayor Kelly Gertz here. Uh, a question from a listener here, and I want to make sure I get it right here. Listener wants to know, and suddenly I've just lost it. Uh, listener wants to know, it, it should there, I, I'm summarizing the question here, should there be something other or something separate from the Classic Center Authority providing a, another degree of oversight to Classic Center activities? Uh, there is, in fact. So it is the county commission and, and, mm-hmm. and myself as mayor. So on an annual basis, we approve the transfer of any budgetary funds from the the general public to the Classic Center. Um, By state statute, that happens through hotel motel taxes. And then by local decision, there's an extra slight increment of hotel motel tax that's provided for the Classic Center Authority. And what's great is unlike many communities in the state and across the country, there are no general fund dollars that go to support the Classic Center. Let me repeat, Mm -hmm. none of your property taxes are going to support the Classic Center. So um, we're running a high-quality facility. Uh, in, in my job prior to mayor uh, as a regional uh, public uh, public school administrator, I was all over the state attending convention facilities. There's nothing like the Classic Center in the state in terms of being able to walk out the front door of that facility and have live literally dozens of dining and retail opportunities and just the vitality of downtown. Now, quickly, what do I get for $45 million in terms of affordable housing? So what you're going to get is the opportunity to have a, additional owned homes and additional rental units that are going to exist along a continuum of economic um, 
experience well, what's points. What's the government's involvement in this? So what the government can do is purchase land uh, and provide public infrastructure. So if you're a developer, a big part of your cost are the streets and the sidewalks and the light poles and the trees and the water and sewer connections that you have to have in place to make that housing happen. So what we can do now is we can go to a private developer and we can say, all right, you were going to put in 100 units over here, but how about if we put some financial eggs in the basket and you put in 150 units instead and that extra 50 are going to be permanently affordable. Talking there about this plan espoused by Athens Clark County Commissioners to at least in terms of government uh, energy sources get renewable, get green up in here. Mayor Carly Gertz in studio with us this morning. A couple of minutes on this side of what and when. What's the timeline here? So we're really looking at, at a couple of hallmarks. We're looking at about 2030 and we're looking at 2050. The notion for the government activities will be by 2030, we have sort of winnowed down to uh, our, our structured use being all renewable, and that by 2050, we look at our entire vehicle fleet as completely renewable, too. And, and this isn't just a feel-good kind of thing. We're going over numbers of both our operating expenses and the SPLOST packages. We're going to be putting $15 million into renewable through the SPLOST package that we talked about a few minutes ago. And this work is going to save the taxpayers uh, more than a million dollars a year in operating expenses. How so? Because we're no longer going to have inefficient buildings that are basically like colanders that are just releasing heat and cool air into the sky. Uh, we're going to not have to buy as much energy as a result. And ultimately, we're going to produce some of this energy ourselves as we are at our Cedar Creek Wastewater Treatment Facility now. Um, in most governments, local governments, it's your water and your sewer system that takes the bulk of your energy. And in fact, that's three quarters of our power. And so in one of our three plants now, we've offset half that power with a solar array. And so this is stuff that's going to provide some permanent benefit, not only to us uh, in an environmental sense, but in a dollars and cents kind of way. Come on, Tom, Mayor Kelly Gertz with us here. Let's talk uh, about our local police activity. A lot to talk about mm -hmm. here. Uh, much of it's sad and tragic. I want to start, though, with the Bethel Midtown situation. I, I, we learned, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago that back in June, uh, the U.S. Postal Service sends out a note, sends sends notes to the people who live there, there off Hickman Drive. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not delivering mail anymore. Uh, it's too dangerous for, for postal delivery in here. People have been shot in there, shots heard in there. We're not delivering mail anymore. Now, the police say they've worked out at least a temporary agreement uh, so that the mail can be delivered. Where are we? How bad a problem is this? Uh, what can we do by way of fixing this long term? Well, I'll say that there's been a long-term anchor around the neck of everybody who's lived in Bethel Midtown Village. Um, many former students of mine when I, from my time in public education, uh, parents of kids I've worked with and friends have lived there, and they've not been well cared for by management. Uh, the, the place has deteriorated. Uh, maintenance has not occurred. Um, simple visual activities like trash on the ground have not been managed. Easy to do things, low-hanging fruit. Now, what I will say is on the public sector end, We've done a mother, quickly. Let, let's let's uh -huh. let's set the frame here because understand who you say management ownership. We're talking. This is a privately. It's, it, it's a privately owned apartment complex with 195 units and about 450 residents right. at peak capacity. Just to although get right that now out there because that's people right. will blame the housing authority or others that, that may or may not be. I appreciate you mentioning that. I, I think in the public mind, anytime they see low income housing, they think, right. oh well, that's public housing mm -hmm. authority. You know what I'll say is that the best managed affordable housing in the Athens community is 
is the public housing authority properties. You know, you can walk through public housing authority properties in Macon or Milledgeville or so many other places in this state and not see the level of care done by the Athens Housing Authority. But back to Bethel, this is a private enterprise, and they really have been um, sucking the Section 8 public dollars without reinvesting in that community. And, and Those it's are federal dollars. The correct. federal dollars, correct. And so uh, th- this means a poor quality of life, and, and I will say nobody should have to live in those conditions. Now, on our end, we, we've tried to carefully police, and this is true broadly, and that's meant some winnowing of crime, in fact, over a, a decade in Bethel Midtown Village. We're going to have the police chief in, and I don't know, a week or so, uh-huh. a couple of weeks, and he's going to say, well, you know, he'll have the data. Well, the crime is down in Bethel Midtown. That's right. But the and, Postal Service says we're not going in there because it's too dangerous. Well, you know, what you, what you always have happen, and you know how this works, especially in the, uh, in the social media age, mm-hmm. is, is that people are reactive to everything in the moment, right? Right. And, and there have been a hell of a lot of bad moments at Bethel Midtown Village. Well, three shootings, I think, this year, one of them fatal. That's correct. A- absolutely. And, and, and I live in the neighborhood, so I, I hear those shots. Mm. Um, the, the, the fatal shot woke me up at 550 in the morning mm. that morning. And I, I hate that for the people that live there. Now, what I will say, very functionally speaking, is that the mailboxes in this community are about 50 paces inside the front gate. So you're not talking about having to get deep into uh, an area where you're completely surrounded by buildings and and you're not visible to the outside. And and again, while crime is not anywhere near where we would like it to be, it's lower than it's been over the last decade there. I had really kind of a flip solution that it may or may not be a flip Mm. solution to that specific problem. I said, this sounds like something you can fix with one phone call. Find out, have the police call. What time do you deliver mail? Two o'clock. We'll be there at 145. I mean, is that kind of what's happening? And and that is, in fact, the temporary solution. It's it's the police department agreeing to meet the postal carrier there uh, on a regular basis uh, in in the late morning. Mm should just ensure that there are some other eyes on the operation. Um, in the long term, what we need is we need a community without these kind of neighborhoods. You know, we need a community with well-resourced neighborhoods. We need a community where we're working with the property owners to say, we are not going to stand for your poor management of a property. And, and we're going to provide some support with that, but we're going to have that as a baseline expectation. You know, when, when you're a five-year-old kid or an eight-year-old kid and you walk out your front door every morning and you see crap on the ground and you hear gunshots and you don't have any places to go enjoy your life as a young person, that leaves permanent marks, you know, marks that can't be undone. And, of course, everybody knows anecdotes about people who've made it out of deep, mm-hmm. dire poverty and bad neighborhoods. But, but those are just that. Those are anecdotes. You know, that there are trend lines around kids who grow up in those kind of communities. Mm-hmm. Exceptions that prove the rules. Sure. In a lot of cases. Th- that's right. I mean, what we need is positive trend lines where we're saying on the public sector end, we're going to create the circumstances that allow for resources to be brought to communities. And that's got to be true in Bethel Homes. It's got to be true in Athens Gardens. It's got to be true at Rolling Ridge. Um, Because we're talking about Bethel right now, but sadly, it's not alone among the array of places where people live in our community. We'll talk also, uh, Mayor Kelly Gertz, you mentioned you you heard the gunshots from a fatal shooting there in Bethel. Uh, The the first of three deadly officer-involved shootings in Athens back in late March, Mm -hmm. uh, about three 
tenths of a mile from my house. Uh, yeah. And we've had three of those couple cents, all of them fatal. Nothing that indicates that in any of them, police did anything other than what they were trained to do and had to do in those given moments. That said, three in a span of about four months, concerning to all of us, uh, what by way of communication do you have with the police chief about that? What is there to talk about? What I'll say about Chief Spruill is he's been very transparent. And as each one of these incidents has happened, he's open to the public, both the background of the the situation and the visuals of what was happening on the ground. So in this most recent situation on Old Macon Highway, you had an individual who sadly, as a very young person in his 20s, had some enormous challenges, you know, clearly some mental health needs. And we're addressing those in a preventative way in Athens. We've just doubled our co-responder unit so that we've got two mental health officer pairings on the ground all the time to make sure that we can get to people as soon as a problem presents itself. And we also need to invest in ways to make sure that problems don't even begin to emerge by, you know, back to kind of the housing question, making sure that we've got community resources in place so that people have uh, spaces to go to when they first are, are, are coming up upon some mental health needs that they recognize themselves. Um, one of the things in SPLOST is going to be an increase in the amount of housing for those with mental health needs. You know, this is one of those things, uh, it, it, the job that you have uh, and you've had since uh, taking office early this year, there are things you can plan for and project, these sales tax referendums, we want to fund this and pay mm-hmm. for that and build that other thing. You can plan for a lot of things and then things like this that you have to deal with in a moment. In, in That's the moment. right. Yeah. And, and, and it can be traumatic uh, to, to stand at the press conference at the police department a couple of weeks ago and, and watch the um, body cameras from the two officers mm. who had to handle the situation with, again, a very clearly challenged individual uh, on Old Macon Highway and officer who had to make the split second decision to fire upon that, that man and end his life are things you don't you, you can't wipe out of your mind. Right. It's not like a hard drive where you can push a button and it's gone. Um, the, the best we can do is support each other and all of each other in these environments, support our officers, support the public at large, support our youth population so that as they move into their early lives, that they're equipped with the tools to lead better lives. And so we have fewer of these incidents. Like 30 seconds, not even that. We like to use this word as kind of a catch-all training. Are you satisfied the adequate training police officers here? I'm not equipped to say exactly how that training plays out. I'm not a post-certified individual. I've not been through that. Um, What I do know is that numerically, you know, we're providing several dozen hours of training a year when our certification requirements are, are much lower. So I know we're going well beyond what, what the established status quo is for police officer training. That I can say. Leave it there. Mayor Kelly Gertz, thanks for rolling out this morning. Thank you, Tim.